The Louisville women's basketball team will look to clinch a Final Four berth over the next couple days. We will talk about the path for the Cardinals to do so on this episode of the Locked On Louisville podcast. Stay tuned. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everyone? Welcome in to another episode of the Locked On the Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. I serve as a credential media member for Cardinal Sports Zone. I also do some PA announcing work for the university in various sports. I want to take this time, as always, to personally thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And just a reminder, the Locked On Louisville Podcast is free on all streaming services, five days a week, your team every day. The Cardinals women's basketball team is in the Sweet 16. They will play the Tennessee Volunteers on Saturday at 4 o'clock. We will begin with recapping the first weekend of the tournament with wins over Albany and Gonzaga. Um, we will then transition into uh, the next matchup for the Cardinals, the Lady Vols of Tennessee, and uh, talk about the, the players to watch, keys to the game, so on and so forth for the Cardinals. And then finally, um, I don't like to look ahead past matchups, but assuming that the Cardinals get past Tennessee, what does a possible Elite Eight matchup hold in store for Jeff Walls' team? We will answer that here in the final segment of the show. But I want to start out with the weekend action that just happened. Um, two wins in the first two rounds, Albany in the first round, and then the round of 32 win against Gonzaga. And I, I just have to say, before we talk about that, as you can tell, the the connection, the Wi-Fi issues seem to be resolved for now. So at this point, we're going to continue to record as normal with the uh, with the micro with the Yeti microphone and with um, the uh, Logitech camera instead of the iPhone camera and the AirPod microphone. So I apologize for the poor audio and video quality of the past two episodes. Um, very deeply sorry. It's been a hectic um, attempt to try to help the Wi-Fi in my area. So hopefully things go smooth for this episode. If there still are some uh, lagging issues and stuff like that, I do apologize. And I'm working to get those taken care of. But uh, without further ado, let's talk about the uh, Cardinals First two wins of the NCAA tournament, beginning with Albany. Look, not much to talk about here. Um, four starters in double figures for the Cardinals. It was one of those matchups to where I think it was a classic 116. There's been a lot of instances where the 1 in 16, they'll, they'll battle for the first 10 minutes of the game, but. Um, you know, in the second quarter or for men's basketball, you know, in the latter ha latter part of the first half, it seems like the one seed starts to pull away. And that's what Louisville did in that first game, first game against Albany. They end up winning by nearly about 30 points. One of those to where it, it just seemed like they were just handling business. The next matchup against the Gonzaga Bulldogs, which I said on the podcast, regardless if they played Nebraska or Gonzaga, both of those teams could possibly serve as um, you know a bracket buster for the Louisville Cardinals if they don't take care of business. Now, Louisville started the game on a big run. Uh, Gonzaga didn't score for, I think, the first five minutes of the game. The Cardinals' defense was impeccable. I, I cannot stress enough, that is some of the best team defense I've seen in, in 
quite some time. The fact that they were speeding Gonzaga up on the offensive end, that's a team that really works to get open shots, but they were speeding up the Bulldogs offensively. Their press was working. They were trapping them um, in the half court and in the, uh, yeah, the, uh, the, de- the defensive half court. Um, ultimately, Gonzaga ended up coming back. I think Louisville was up. I think I don't know exactly what it was, but Gonzaga went on like a 14 to zero run right after Louisville opened up the game on their scoring streak. So, um, you know, the the lead pretty much you know disintegrated quickly, and by the end of the first quarter, you know, Gonzaga was well within striking distance. Um, but throughout the rest of the game, I think that one thing for the Cardinals that I was looking for was just them not really. Um, or, or I'm sorry, them not going on any scoring droughts and um, you know taking their opponents seriously and just working to get good shots. I think offensively they struggled a little bit at the end of the first quarter and into the second quarter. Things started to pick up a, a little bit in the third quarter heading into the fourth, uh, but at that point Gonzaga was scoring the ball really well and it seemed like the team was just trading punches offensively. Um, one thing that kind of concerned me is that Gonzaga really didn't shoot the ball all that well. I mean, for the game, they were 20% from behind the arc, 4 for 20. They were 38% from the field. Um, they turned the ball over 18 times. So you look at the box score for the Bulldogs and you think, okay, that should definitely be a, a Louisville win and probably double digits. Unfortunately, I think that the Cardinal offense, um, yeah, I think at times – they tried to force some shots that just weren't good looks. And on the defensive end, there were way too many wide-open baskets um, for um, for my taste and uh, probably for most of the fan base's taste. And uh, one aspect of, of being wide open was you know the transition offense for Gonzaga. They did a great job of finding the uh, you know the respective um, you know post player running the court and getting behind the defense after a Louisville bucket to where Gonzaga was pretty much answering right after that. So for Louisville, I think it's just a matter of handling business. Like I get it, I would rather have um, um, an uninspiring win rather than an inspiring loss. I'm not really. Even sure if there is a such thing as an inspiring loss, um, because at the end of the day, there's no such thing as moral victories. There's definitely no such moral things. There's definitely no such thing as moral victories. I should say in the NCAA tournament when your season is on the line and it could be ended with a loss. So the Cardinals handle business. It's just a um, you know a premier case of surviving and advancing. People will say, oh well. You know, Louisville struggled against Gonzaga. What does that say about you know how they're going to play in the Sweet 16? I don't really think it, it, it holds that much weight. I mean, you're talking about there were a handful of teams that got upset over the weekend. I mean, you look at uh, Baylor, the two seed in the Wichita region that ended up losing to South Dakota. So there were a lot of teams across the country, you know, top seeds, maybe not the maybe not number one seeds. But you know, top seeds that were losing ball games. So um, I, I just think that goes to show you you can't take your foot off the gas in the NCAA tournament. You can't take your foot off the gas in the postseason in general. Look, we saw that in the quarterfinals of the ACC tournament when the Cardinals gave up a 17 to zero run to the Miami Hurricanes and ended up leaving Greensboro earlier than expected. So um, if any team understands you know not being able to take a night off, I would assume that that would be Jeff Walls' Louisville Cardinals. Um, but ultimately. Louisville on the evening had 12 players in double figures, although, or 12, 
12 players in double figures, four players in double figures. Uh, Emily Ingsler and Kiana Smith both had 12 for the Cardinals. Emily was only, I think she was three for 13 from the field, but she had five steals, 11 rebounds, two blocks. So, and I think Jeff Wall said it best in the postgame press conference. It, you know, he said, you know, you, you you all were raving about Emily Ingsler. The talk's not even about how poorly she shot from the field. It was about her impact on the, you know, the defensive aspect of the game and, um, you know, all, all the doing all the little things. So I think that that's extremely um, valuable to have is even when Emily's not scoring the ball really um, at an efficient rate in a certain game, being able to affect the game in different ways was big. Haley Van Lith, look, she's continuing to blossom into the star that we all thought she would be here at Louisville. Now, I know it's taken a little bit more time for her to kind of, um, you know, get into that uh, stratosphere of her potential, and I don't necessarily think that she's there yet. Um, the, I think the sky is the limit for her as a player and as a leader. Um, you know, last year she had a pretty solid start to the season, kind of, um, you know, it kind of, um, you know, tailed off after that, and she kind of struggled to end the year. But this season, um, you know, struggled shooting the ball to begin the season, and now, you know, since the turn of ACC play, she has been the Cardinals' best player. She led the way with 21 points, 8 for 17 from the field, 6 rebounds to go along with um, that point total. And obviously, Olivia Cochran with 11 and 5 to go on her stat sheet. So, um, ultimately, it's just a matter of survive and advance here for Louisville. Um, I'm... You know, glad that this is kind of the case and it beats the alternative. I understand, you know, margin of victory, maybe not necessarily be the most inspiring thing out there, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day in the NCAA tournament, you can't really um, fall back on that. You know, you kind of have to take things as they are, but um, you can't uh, relish on victories too long now because uh, the attention turns to the Tennessee Volunteers in the Sweet 16. We're going to talk about everything you need to know about that preview here in just a second after we talk about our friends over at Built Bar. Look, it's usually the time of the year. Well, I mean, let me rephrase this. It is past the time of the year in which I give up on my resolutions um, that I form in January. Um, but usually it's kind of one of those things to where when it's based around fitness, I start off really strong and then kind of, um, you know, my, my will to get a, a ripped beach body kind of um, starts to wither as you get into February. But uh, Built Bar has kind of helped me uh, stay on track in my fitness journey. Um, it's It really doesn't even feel like a resolution or a journey to me because I actually enjoy eating them. Uh, for those who are not aware of what Built Bar is, um, it, it is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. All of their products are covered in 100% real chocolate. They're low calorie, high in protein. So you can go to built.com and scroll down to check out the macros chart. Most built bars contain anywhere from 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. And um, another benefit of built bar is the fact that they have so many different flavors. They're all about taste. They make it they make it taste delicious first, and then figure out how to make it healthy after. And I don't know how but they seemingly pull it off every single time. So do yourself a favor, go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Once again, that's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. As always, I want to say thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And just a reminder, the Locked on Global podcast is free on all streaming services, five days a week, your team every day. You know, Sweet 16 is upon us. The Cardinals will play 
on Saturday. I'm feeling good. The fifth straight Sweet 16 here um, for the Cardinals wearing the Locked On merch. Um, get past the microphone. You can kind of see it. Um, but shout out to Locked On um, for the merch. Definitely love to, to rep on the podcast. Um, very, very excited uh, for the Sweet 16. They play a Tennessee team that has been up and down this season. They've been very inconsistent. And even though they're in the Sweet 16, the um, you know the performances to get to the round of 16 haven't necessarily been inspiring. Um, we'll kind of break down the preview. If you've listened to the show or if you've watched the show before, uh, when I've talked about women's basketball, one thing that I find very helpful and very interesting, to say the least, is uh, Data Scribe's previews. Um, that I'm not sure why they don't have it for men's basketball, but they have them for women's, and I think it's it's, it's very neat. I want to read what they have written just to kind of serve as a basis uh, for what we're talking about. Um, this is Louisville team stats. Louisville has averaged 72.4 points per game this season, while Tennessee gives up 60.6 per contest. The Cardinals are 24-1 and when they score over 61 points. They're a solid offensive rebounding team, averaging 13.1 a game. The mark is good for fourth in the ACC. As for the Lady Vols, they score 70.2 per game, more than 55 Louisville. Or, I'm sorry, more than the 55 points Louisville allows. When Tennessee gets to the 55-point mark, they're 21 and three on the season. They have created 13.4 takeaways per game this season, while averaging 17 giveaways per contest. Louisville is 14 and three, however, when um, committing more than 13 turnovers. Um, Louisville players to watch. Haley Van Lith leads the Cardinals in scoring. Also mentions Kiana Smith, Emily Inksler. Tennessee is Jordan Horston. We will talk about her uh, being the player to watch for the Lady Vols here in, in a little while. They also have a Tamari Key, who is great as a rim protector and a post presence. Ray Burrell, Tess Darby, Alexis Dye, so on and so forth. The Lady Vols of Tennessee come in to this matchup. Um, 25-8, and eight. they lost in the SEC semifinals, SEC tournament semifinals to the eventual champion Kentucky Wildcats. And for a Lady Vols team that started out uh, pretty solid to begin the 2021-22 campaign, the month of February really wasn't that great to the team from Knoxville. They actually won less games than they lost in the calendar month. March was a little bit better to try to get back on track. You look at what they've done in the tournament, won their first round matchup, and ended up barely edging out um, Belmont in the round of 32 uh, down in Knoxville. Um, earlier this week. So I think it was Monday. I believe, yeah, Monday evening. And that was a game where Belmont was up by two. Tennessee had fouled them. Um, the Bruins go to the line, miss both free throws, however. And Tennessee comes down and hits a clutch corner three, which puts them ahead for the remainder of the game. This was with about, like I think, 30 seconds to go. So ultimately, this Tennessee team, you really never know what you're going to get. I would, I'll go ahead and say this for the record. I would have rather played Tennessee, the four seed, than Oregon, the five seed. I, um, excuse me. I think that the Cardinals match up better with Tennessee rather than the size of Oregon, despite the Cardinals having beaten the Ducks in the Sweet 16 of last year's tournament. Um, the key players to watch here for the Cardinals. Um, I think that there's a couple of different players you could look at here. I ultimately, I, I'm going to gravitate back toward Haley Van Lith. Like I said, she's been Louisville's best player over the past couple months. I think for a Cardinal offense that um, you know struggles at time, it's going to be on the sophomore from Washington State uh, to come up big 
And um, I, I think, you know, uh, averaging a team high 14 points per game, she's shooting the ball really well, 43.3% from the field, um, you know, carried, not necessarily carried, but um, definitely was the bright spot on the Cardinals offense in that game against Gonzaga, playing with a tremendous amount of confidence. You can see it in her shot selection, her poise um, on the court. So, um I think that she's the player to watch here for Louisville because at the end of the day, uh, I, I have faith in the Louisville defense, but it's going to come down to the Louisville offense putting up points to get this one done. Tennessee, on the, on the other hand, we talked about Jordan Horston. Um, she leads the team in points, rebounds, and assists per game. Um, I think actually steals as well. So let me get this right. She leads the team in points, rebounds, assists, and steals. 16.2 points, 9.4 rebounds, 4 assists. 1.4 steals per game. She's the player to watch here for Louisville. For the Cardinals, it's going to be a matter of making life tough for her like they made life tough for Ryan Howard when the Cardinals played Kentucky earlier in December. I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to, now I get it, Tennessee's a balanced attack. They have four players that score in double figures and three more players after that that average over six a game. Um, Alexis Dye played really well against Belmont. You have Ray Burrell, who's uh, been playing very well, Tamari Key in the post. So, um, you know, the Lady Vols have a lot of weapons on that offense. But at the end of the day, I think that it it, it starts with Jordan Horston. And um, the Cardinals are going to be tasked with uh, guarding one of the most dynamic players in the SEC. Um, Keys to the game for the Cardinals. It starts on the glass. Tennessee averages 47.9 rebounds per contest. Louisville, on the other hand, just 39. Um, One of the reasons why Belmont did not come out victorious on Monday evening was giving up offensive rebounds to the Volunteers. Um, You know, they have very, very good size. Um, They have a lot of tall players that crash the boards, um, you know, very effectively, and they do so with a lot of tenacity. So it's going to be on Louisville as a team to crash the boards and um, really put a lot of emphasis on the rebounding aspect of the game. And I think the other aspect of it is, um, you know, eliminating scoring droughts. Um, Obviously, I think one of the, I'm not going to say Achilles heels for the team because I I think that it's a result. I I think that sometimes some seem some, some I can't even say the the word I'm trying to say uh, lackluster um, shot selection and stuff like that uh, going into a scoring drought um, you know that that's going to be something that really is is something that Louisville's going to look to go away from if they can get it to where they put together a solid offensive performance for all 40 minutes of the game I think that Louisville comes out victorious in this one but it'll be interesting if they do go on a couple scoring droughts like they did against Gonzaga. Um, you know, they, they're playing better competition this time around, and they're going to have to really be attentive, uh, move well without the ball, and just flat out hit their shots. So I think that um, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's about rebounding and it is about eliminating scoring droughts. Prediction time. I think that the Cardinals are gonna win this one. Um, I'll I'll say by about seven points. Uh, I don't think it's gonna be a blowout. I don't think it's gonna be a one possession game, it'd be a healthy medium. So I'm gonna go with the Cardinals. Um We'll go 64 to 58. And um, I think it's going to be mainly a defensive matchup here between the two teams. Um, And like I mentioned, 
I don't like to look ahead past a matchup because I think once you start to sleep on a team or overlook a team, that's when you get beat. That's when you are more susceptible to playing down to your competition and stuff like that. But for the sake of you know theoretical, uh, for the sake of a theoretical sense, assuming that Louisville does beat Tennessee, you have to like um, their possible um, opponents for or the matchup with the possible opponents in the Elite Eight. We'll talk about um, who that might be. Here in the next segment, after we talk about our friends over at Athletic Greens, our next partner has a product I literally use every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because, well, I, I, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of you know taking vitamins. I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great and wanted to see what the hype was about. I'd heard about Athletic Greens. A buddy had recommended it to me. I have been taking it for about two weeks now, and preliminarily, um, I love it. It doesn't taste super healthy. Um, It has a kind of a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all in one. Um, so really, that's kind of that's kind of like me. I feel like, uh, especially this time of the year, my immune system gets low. The um, seasonal allergies just have me down for the count. Um, you know, I've been sending it to a couple family and friends, and they've loved it as well. Um, you know, you you have to incorporate, um, you know, it, it into your daily. I mean, into your daily rotation, because I think that, um, you know, it has a little bit better benefits than vitamins and stuff like that. Um, But to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a a free one-year supply of immune system vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash college. Once again, that is athleticgreens.com slash college to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Also, I want to take this time to talk about our friends over at Bet on the Line. Um, you know, it's that time of the year again. College basketball's tournament is fully upon us from all the latest odds, contests, and players' props. Uh, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. It remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And look, it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering. Information needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online is where the game starts. So, like I mentioned, I don't like to look ahead or overlook an opponent, especially in the NCAA tournament against a top you know four seed in the tournament or, or in your respective region. But for the sake of this episode, I, I apologize for not having talked about women's basketball earlier in the week. I had a couple guests lined up. I wanted to have a, a day or two where I'd have multiple episodes a day, but with the Wi-Fi issues, yeah, I, I wanted to wait for for good quality before um, you know I you know talked about the tournament and stuff like that. But like I mentioned, for the sake of this episode, we are going to talk about the Cardinals' path to you know clinching another Final Four berth, their first t- since 2018, assuming that they get past Tennessee on Saturday. They will turn their attention on Monday to the winner of Michigan and South Dakota, the three and the ten. Like I mentioned, South Dakota defeated Baylor in the round of 32, and the Coyotes have looked very, very good 
this season. Um, we'll kind of break down both teams. I think that if you're Louisville, you have one of the more favorable um, journeys to the Final Four of all the one season in the, in the women's basketball tournament. Um, but don't get that misconstrued. It's still going to be a challenging draw. I mean, you still have to get you know through the opposition. You're beginning. Well, let's start with South Dakota. South Dakota is the 10 seed in the region. Obviously, they defeated Baylor, but they've been playing very, very well. Um, the, the past two games, you know, they beat Mississippi. They beat Baylor by double digits, 29-5 um, and five on the season. Got to pull out my sheet here. Um, they lost, I think, four games early on in non-conference play, only lost one in conference play, and have pretty much run the table ever since. Chloe Lamb leading the way there. They have three players in double figures. They play extremely hard, and, you know, they have a ton of size on the team. I, I think that most of their guard play is, um, you know, um, you know, five nine to to six one. Uh, they might not necessarily have, um, you know, Oregon type of size down in the post, but it's definitely respectable. So they have a ton of size that really disrupts the opposition. Um, if you turn the attention over to Michigan, the three seed, if the Wolverines win, well, this is a a team that um, you know the Cardinals have played early on in the season. If you remember, seventy to forty eight in favor of Louisville at the KFCM Center back in the ACC Big Ten Challenge in December. Uh, Emily Ingsler, most notably, 18 points, 14 rebounds, 5 steals. Um, you know, Kiana Smith had 17. Haley Van Lith with 10. You know, so on and so forth. It's a team that you've played so far. You you know their tendencies. Um, you know, the, the challenge is going to be um, stopping Naz Hillman again. You know, she's averaging 21 and 10 a game. Uh, one of the best players in the Big Ten. So, uh, you know, you would rather play Michigan than Baylor, obviously. Uh, but I do think that um, you know it's hard to you know it's hard to beat a team again, especially you know at the end of the season when they've had a chance to to get better. But the question in, in that regard is the fact that coming in to the NCAA tournament, well, Michigan had lost four out of their last six games to end the regular season. So this isn't necessarily a Wolverine team that is maybe perhaps playing their best basketball of the year. That was probably in the months of January, early February, as to now they play a South Dakota team that is brimming with confidence. Um, they just knocked off Baylor uh, you know, down in Waco. So they travel to Wichita looking to be another giant killer to get to the Elite Eight and do the impossible. Ultimately, I, I think that um, I think that Michigan gets the win there. I think it could probably be close, but I do think that Louisville looks forward to playing either of the opposition. It still will be tough regardless. So um, ultimately, at the end of the day, a tough journey for the Cardinals regardless, but if, if you had to pick any of the journeys of the one seed standing, Louisville probably has the more favorable. So obviously, we will recap this weekend's action on the Monday edition of the show, um, assuming that they make the Elite Eight, we will um, preview that matchup for the beginning episode of next week's um, show. Uh, thanks again for making Locked on Global your first listen every day. As I mentioned, Monday will be more talk about women's basketball. If we get any more news about men's basketball coaching hires or assistant coaching hires, recruiting news, excuse me, for both football or basketball, um, we will obviously discuss that. Um, do yourself a favor though, uh, this weekend, make your second listen locked on NFL draft. We're just about a month away. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback, Eric Crocker, bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. But look, that's going to wrap up 
this Friday edition of the show. Everyone have a great day. Have a great weekend. Cheer on the cards. Let's hope that the cards can get to the final four and have a great weekend. Be safe, and we will see you back here on Monday.